What's up and welcome to the Clackbox. This is your lovely host, Cody Clackler here, and we have a friend here with say that I've known for a couple of years now. Um, wish I knew better, but I have known for a couple of years. And she does some pretty awesome ministry stuff, and her name is Tara Davis. And so in your car or your room where you're listening, applaud uh, for her. I could put fake. I could use bacon as, like, fake applause. Totally. <laughs> you should do it. Should I do that? Yeah, totally. We'll um, I asked Tara to come um, be a part of this so I could sit down and talk with her. We had She works with a ministry that here at Grace we partner with called House of Faith and have for years and years and years and years and years. Long time. Long time. I've been a part of it for a couple of years. And um, last summer, you and I ended up in a quick conversation <laughs> that turned into hours long. Right. And as every uh, conversation with me happens to turn into tears right that did happen which is amazing like it's terrible superpower i have it was, it was terrible cody is that a spiritual gift i'm still mad at you about that <laughs> <laughs> but sure we we can call it a spiritual okay. gift sure um yeah so um so lots of stuff to cover so you you live in san angelo correct and you work with house of faith right what do you do there uh basically work with children and youth of the city uh primarily unchurched children and youth and the concept is instead of trying to get them into your physical church building to simply go and be the hands and feet of Jesus and be the church to them and then build a bridge between that student and their family and the local church where we can get them plugged in and they can be discipled and grow in their walk with Jesus. And you've been doing that for how long? Ten years. So here's what fascinated me about this because I kind of knew the concept. Right. Right. And um, what got me before we went down there this last time was the scale mm-hmm. because I've seen kind of the inner operations of what goes on. Right. And so I'm like, Oh yeah, of course people work hard. Ministry takes people like I get all of that. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden you walk out and see the scale. Right. So how many, how many kids are you guys reaching? So basically, uh, currently in this year, we reach an average of 1,500 elementary students every week with the gospel. 1,500. 1,500. And that's like 1,500 cookies, 1,500 snacks, 1,500 verse cards. I mean, 1,500 everything. Potentially snotty noses, too. (laughs) So logistics are off the charts. Right. So um, just because people are, I'm sure, asking, do you guys... You go, they're called Backyard Bible Clubs. Correct. Do you guys go, you go to the schools or do you go to rec centers? Do you go to, we how go, does that look? Yeah, we go to the schools. Most of them meet on school property. There's one club that meets at a church, which is right across the street from the school. Uh, but the goal is to meet on the school property and uh, to just provide a safe place where the kids can play. And we're, we'll be consistent every week because consistency earns you the right to be heard in a student's life. So they know every week, even in bad weather, if we have to cancel, we're going to show up and make sure that students have a ride home. And, and we're going to show up at their lunches and say, hey, we missed you. We love you. Um, and we're just going to keep showing up week after week. And they know that they can count on us. So, like, clearly, like, if somebody asks me, like, oh, was service good or was Wednesday night good or was camp good or whatever, right. there's, there's lots of variations to decide if that was good. <laughs> right. right. And a lot of the times I'll say yes and it was terrible which means like yes it was amazing god showed up and everything that i heard every conversation i had was heartbreaking and so it was terrible um so what's the hardest emotional part of the backyard bible clubs i 
That's tough. Because I would, I would, I would think a lot of these kids where are like they're not wanting to go home. Right. Because now here's a here's a somewhat loving example of a relationship. Right. That feels safe. I don't want to go home. Right. Uh, that w- to me that would be for me the hardest. Right. Watching what goes on, but. I think that's probably top of the list for me is just knowing that a majority of them are going to go home to a place that's not safe. You know, even a month ago, I had a student tell me that he was getting abused at home. And so we had to go through the whole protocol of reporting with the state. But it took me an hour to figure out where to take him because I didn't feel oh wow okay taking him home. Right. And so that's certainly part of it. I think the flip side, too, would be knowing that they could potentially grow up and walk away from the faith and make their own choice, and I have no control over that whatsoever. My only job is to plant the seeds of God's truth and to leave them in the Lord's hands. So knowing that while they're young, they could choose to believe in Jesus and love him as they grow older, and I've seen this over the last 10 years of being there, where they just turn and and walk away. And some of them end up in prison, some of them end up in gangs, some of them end up dead, unfortunately. Oh, um, yeah, I've had... I had a couple of new youth leaders go to camp mm-hmm. this last year, and I did a terrible job <laughs> of prepping them for what that was going to be like. Wow. Like, logistically, they were set. Right. Like they knew the responsibilities, all that. But the fact, like, they were not ready for a seventh grader mm. or a sixth grader and what that were they were going to unload onto them. Right. Right? Like, right. I, I just didn't. It just. Yeah. I, and. And I, I remember one night I was like, no, like, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And I can count on my hand five students mm. that have ever come back later on. Mm. And I'm like, it worked. Yeah. Like all of it worked. Right. And, and so, and that, that, get, that gets, that, that number doesn't really change with scale. Right. right? Like, I mean, it's, it just. Yeah. And so I, I agree with you. It, it's, it, it's a bummer that you don't get like more. Like, we never get the feedback. Right. Like, it's like parents, like, if it, if it turns out well, it's usually parents who get all of the enjoyment of our right. hard work. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that's something I tell people all the time. You know, one of the things is we give out a little plastic coin. It's called a kingdom coin. And it's to encourage good listening. And so if little Johnny's listening, he's going to get a kingdom coin, and he can trade that in at the end for a snack. So I tell people all the time, I don't think at House of Faith we'll ever know the extent of our effort Mm. until heaven one day and i think there's gonna be hundreds of kids with a kingdom coin (laughs) you know try to try to get in you know and and so but that's the beauty and the the wonder and the mystery of it there's a song by i think 10th avenue north that says god you don't need me but somehow you want me and oh how you love me and oh how that frees me to let go of my life so this idea that god stands alone and he doesn't need any of us to do anything right but in his sovereignty and wisdom and mercy and grace, he allows us to be a tiny, tiny part of his big story. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, that this is going to sound really negative. Um, isn't it funny that, like, we do something for a living and a calling right. and a hobby? Right. Because, I mean, truthfully, like, it's, we don't really have hobbies either. <laughs> right. Like, it's pretty much all this. It's true. Um, and be so incredibly what feels unsuccessful, but keep going. Yeah. And be happy about it. Yeah. I mean, I, not like, yay, we're unsuccessful, but it, right. it doesn't stop us. Yeah. Because a lot of times I, I feel unsuccessful. Right. 
is that would would you I, I would completely agree and, and that's what I tell young people all the time especially young people they're chasing a platform or a ministry and I'm like look if God has not called you to this you will not make it oh, it's oh, not for the faint oh of heart gosh. because it's it's beyond a paycheck it's beyond an eight to five it, it's beyond a hobby level it's like constant spiritual warfare and you're in the trenches and you're in the messiest brokenest part of people's lives with the gospel and it doesn't change rarely do you see the fruit of your labor and so if God hasn't called you you're not going to make it and the thing is is God isn't going to call us to do something and not equip us with the grace needed to do it which really makes you I mean yeah we can get in the whole conversation I agree with you at one wholeheartedly, and we can get in the conversation of, um, I'm going to, I'm going to get hate mail, but, uh, <laughs> like, I don't even know how to word this. Um, is seminary the best prep for ministry? Oh, right. Like if, yeah. if people can see the looks on our faces right now, right. I learned how to roll joints in Bible college. <laughs> I mean, that's probably too honest, but Dude, it is what it is. I mean, Bible paper is the same consistency as like zigzag paper right like right. it's not even funny yeah but even just I, i've seen a lot of people like oh, i want to do ministry and they go to seminary and then all of a sudden their first year in a church it just oh, everything's rocked because it's not this is not right what i thought and not saying seminary is bad it's like it's really good right. um it's super helpful it's just ministries you have to learn a hard a lot of hard knock lessons right that can't be learned in a textbook or in a classroom setting oh my gosh you learn it in a secret place with the father as you're wrestling against your own flesh or the sin that entangles you can't you can't teach that in, in a context of a classroom so i got in this conversation last night this is gonna go a totally different direction i thought it was gonna go okay that's totally f if fun um it's a conversation last night at dinner. fun he said yeah fun and one of the one of the conversations we were three guys right sitting at a table right where where our wives were over like at the same table, but they're talking, right? right? Um, one of them is a very successful businessman. He sells apartment complexes and stuff. And another one um, is a successful, works at the car dealership kind of thing. And so I don't fit in at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all salespeople. No, uh, he, we got into the conversation of what's the hardest part about your job? Mm. And they were, so I'm like, I'm at, we're talking about it. And I'm not projecting onto them like, Oh, I bet the hardest part of your job is this. Right? right, I'm just listening, but then they turned and were like, "Oh, I bet the hardest part of your job." And they're talking, they're saying that to me. I bet the hardest part of your job is this. You know, when I was like, "How do you get up and speak in front of people?" And you know, <laughs> and th with that whole conversation. Right. Well, then, um, but it landed on hospital visits. Mm. Right. Right. And and the complexity of a hospital visit. Yeah. Nurses, doctors. Do they like you to be in there? They don't like you to be there. Does the student or kid like you to be there, but the family doesn't or this parent? No, like, and then there's drama right. in there depending on what's going on and all that stuff. And, um, you show up to a hospital and like, you know, they go to your church, but you have no idea what their name is. So you have to <laughs> act like, you know, it and not let them know that they don't know. Right. Oh, that's the worst. So, I'm the worst with names, man. So I say all that to say, to ask and say this, you are alluding to the idea of how much, spirit led you have to be right to navigate log logistics right logistics of where do i get this kid how does that feel sa like we're safe right what to say to someone how how important is the concept like because i know like yeah we're filled with the holy spirit 
we should rely on God. Like, right. I'm, I'm, but let's take it a step further. It's being spirit led in all the dynamics and little nuances is everything that you guys deal with. Right. Cause you're going to public schools. Right. You're dealing with unchurched families. Right. Like for me, most of them are choosing to be here. Mm-hmm. You're not engaging that. Right. You're engaging and we're coming to you. Right. So how, like talk about that. Um, I, <laughs> man, that's a whole can of worms. Um, I, I think the, the importance of being spirit led versus system led as in this is what we've always done. This is routine. This is schedule. It's huge. So, for example, the student who told me he was being abused at home. It was the worst timing in the world. I mean, no one wants to have that conversation to begin with anyway. (laughs) But club is over. I'm trying to dismiss three different groups of students to their respective places, make sure I don't lose a child, make sure a backpack doesn't get left. And as the club leader, I have all these different things going on, and this student tells me that. So in that moment, I'm very task-oriented. I like my Mm. to-do lists. Super gear shift. Yeah, and and so it's like in that moment, I needed him to feel heard and seen. And so I could have let the stress of that moment override that moment, which is very characteristic of me, Uh, very natural uh, for me to do that. I I could just come unglued and be like freaking out. But having grown up in a similar situation, I'm very sensitive and tender to those kinds of situations. And so I knelt down. And got in his level. And the first thing I said is, I'm so sorry. That's not how it was supposed to be for you. Mm. Um, and, and just acknowledged his pain. And in and, and that I see you. And I care deeply. Um, and, and taking that moment to pray. Even if it meant, okay, kids are late getting home. <laughs> which happened. And parents get irritated. Right. Yeah. You know, so even when that upset parent calls and, and says, hey, you know, yada, yada. In that moment, instead of responding in my flesh, it's an opportunity to be spirit-led and to listen and to empathize and to throw grace on it um, and to not hold that against those people. So I think what's confusing for some people mm-hmm. is the idea that um, you can't pour out what you don't have. Right. Right. So you have to stay f- like constantly filling yourself, stay right. underneath that. Um, even you and I know this as people that speak, um, you don't. If your only study time is for what you're studying to preach, right, you're gonna run dry, right, right, um, and so, so what is spirit led? How do you be that way? I don't, I think those are two different things, right? Would you agree? Uh, yes. Your cup being full so you can pour out, right, is different than being spirit led. I would agree. Okay, so for you, mm-hmm. before I give my a theory on that, what you say they're different. So then what is spirit led? What are you, what are you describing when we say that? So in the context of my job or just in general, uh, I I would say job and relationships. Okay. So spirit led first with job. You said job, not calling. Calling. Excuse me. Thank you for the (laughs) correction, sir. (laughs) I need some bacon. Um, Okay. So spirit led in my job looks like this. We have a set of lessons that we use every week. And in the lesson, we write our own curriculum. So there's an interactive game. There's an opening. There's a scripture verse that we're encouraging them to memorize. There's an object lesson, Bible story, personal app, okay? And they're designed that way on purpose because children learn best through repetition in the context of story. And our curriculum is great. But there have been moments over the years 
where I felt very strongly that I was supposed to do something different with a personal app. Okay. And so instead of being bound by the black ink on a white paper, yeah, I go out on a limb and say, I might feel prompted by the spirit of like, have the kids stand up and repeat after you. And I might lead them through a declaration of faith or a speaking life or whatever that could look like. And in those moments, this is going to sound prideful and it's certainly not, but I walk away knowing that we, as in Holy Spirit and little Tara, knocked it out of the park because it felt right and because it was good and there was peace. I, I, I've described it as a game mm-hmm. where you totally prep for the game. Right. But yet then... Um, you have to adapt. Right. Flexibility. And if you don't have the freedom to adapt. Right. Like, it's almost, it takes preparation to be able to adapt. Correct. And people think it's the opposite. Like, you're prepared so you don't have to adapt. Right. And I, I said, yes and no. Right? right. Like, I think it's, I think it's both. And so, um, like, I try to be organized so I, so I can be flexible. Right. Um, and so, like, for me, like, spirit-led is how am I prepping? Am I prepping with the playbook right but am i also prepping for the holy spirit right so like it literally comes to what music am i listening to right right before yeah what's my train of thought right right what's what what all am i going through preparing to have less of me in that moment and the holy spirit be able to guide me right um and a lot of times like it's weird (laughs) like do you have really weird preparation nuance things um, I do, especially when I'm about to speak. I have a very set, like, this is, this is kind of my mojo. This is what we do. What do you like, do? Come on, come on. Give, so, me, give me one. Cause uh, I'll, I'll give you one of mine because it's weird. <laughs> okay. So. It's, it's um, actually not weird, but. I just like quiet. I, I mean, just pure quiet. If I'm on my way to an event, I'm about to speak. It's either pure quiet or it's my favorite worship songs jamming. And it's just me connecting with the father. Because the thing is, and, and this is how I think of it, Cody, as far as being spirit led versus you know, what's our role versus what's the spirit's role? You know, the cross, the longest beam is the vertical. So really, my output and input with the Father should be far more significant than whatever lateral work or prep that I'm doing. Right, okay. And I think in ministry, it's easy to get that twisted, to be so busy serving. It's the Mary Martha complex. Yes. I've, I've got to go, go, go. I've got to serve, serve, serve. When really the Father's like, no, <laughs> like... I've got, got this. I got this. I don't need you. What I need you to do is come sit with me and remember. Remember who I am and who you're not. You know, I'm, I'm God, you're not. So that's not to say that there's not room for preparation or those things. But before I speak, I will spend time in worship and prayer and just being just, I'm, hi, I'm Tara. I'm just a daughter of God. That's it. Not, I'm a speaker or we've got to knock this out of the park. And I've even learned, so there's often times where, I'm 20 minutes from speaking at an event and I have nothing. So, you know, (laughs) but that's, but that's not because of unprepared. Right. Right. It's like I'm praying and there's nothing. And so now it's become a running joke with the Lord and I, because it used to stress me out, man. I'm like biting my nails. I'm like freaking out. Right. So now it's this, okay, Jesus, take your time. We're on your watch, not mine. (laughs) You know, and there are times where I get up and it literally, I didn't get the download till as I stood up Oh yeah. and it ends up being some of the most significant because it's like God getting Tara out of the way, you know? And so, and, and I think what's, what's, what's hard about that 
is I'm that way too, but mm-hmm. I know that that's not, that you still can't confine the Holy Spirit to that. Right. Right. So there's people that I know that are totally spirit led and they do word for word notes. Right. And I'm like that. Are you kidding me? Oh, like I, for me, I used to have like eight page notes and no. sometimes I still do. My tech, our tech team hates me because I have like, <laughs> here's a sentence, here's a sentence, here's a sentence. Follow me. Right. There's 20 slides. Or when they say, Hey, do you have pictures for tomorrow night? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't even have the message yet. No. <laughs> or when they say, Hey, what are you going to be speaking on next week? I'm, you know, going to prayer yeah. breakfast and they emailed me and they said, Hey, what are you going to speak on? And I wanted to say, still waiting on a download. <laughs> Jesus. <know? laughs> right. Jesus. <laughs> I can give you one of 66 books. Does right. that narrow it? Yeah. No, I do. It's funny. Um, I, I don't do it so much on Wednesday, like for Wednesday nights or Sunday mo- or for youth, for right. student stuff. Um, but I definitely do it 100% of the time when I speak anywhere else. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just like a comfortability of a comfort for our room, right. you know, kind of like your room. You're probably com- more comfortable right. in your room than going elsewhere. Right. Um, but it's funny, our, our tech team will be like, oh, we can always tell Cody is preaching Sunday because Thursdays I'll co I'll come in, I will turn on like, like dubstep club music, <laughs> like super loud, <laughs> super annoying and preach to an empty room. Oh, that's funny. Now I don't, and I'll do it once or twice, maybe in three times. And I don't, I don't have typed out notes, Yeah. but it's mainly working on the timing. How long is this? Right. And like, it's super low energy cause there's no one in the room. Right. And I'm also kind of like worshiping, praying at the same right. time, right? And to dubstep, nonetheless. That's yeah, awesome. Well, you know. So you're going to have a remix album coming Toby out. Toby Mac remix Is what I'm hearing. It's basically a preach, what's it, with the sermon jams. Right. right? It's, yeah, I it's love like a those. long sermon jam. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. That's incredible. So but they always come like, oh, well, Cody's, <laughs> or like uh, one of our tech people will be like, they'll see on Spotify that, right. I, that I'm listening in the sanctuary and like, oh, Cody's preaching. Right. Because <laughs> it's just blaring. That's amazing. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. It's I've never it's done that. It's got to be weird. The whole timing thing, like, I, you know, they'll be like, Terry, you've got 15 minutes, and 30 minutes later, I'm like, oops. Sorry. Yeah. No. It, <laughs> uh, but that's smart. Context. I mean, that's, camp? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Every, but Sunday that, morning? Everyone on camp knows. Yeah, but some, Sunday morning, you, you got to play by the rules. They don't get, let you up there anymore. Right. So, I mean... It, it's it's just my deal, and I think I, I want to feel comfortable in the room. So, I, right. so for me, spirit led is 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 the preparation, right. like the Holy Spirit in the preparation, and the Holy Spirit in I'm going to jump off the cliff, and I'm totally not sure if this if the, like the preparation is going to be what saves me. Right, right, because a lot of times I feel like the preparate the Holy Spirit in the preparation is the shoot being packed properly. Right, but then the Holy Spirit could be that or. Oh, look, there's a trampoline there. I didn't realize it was going to be there. Well, and it's adaptability because depending on your audience, I teach, I can take the same story of David and Goliath and I will teach it 100% different to a group of children, Oh yeah. to a group of youth, to a group of adults. Adults are the, for me, the hardest audience. I agree. Because I feel like they can tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a prideful thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. This guy is crazy. Like that doesn't make any sense. But I think that's what's fun about like this medium as right. well is that you're giving people opportunity to be like, you know, like we were talking about before we right. had record with the forgiveness thing where yeah. someone was like, no, you're absolutely right. Plus this. And it just blew my mind. Yeah. Um, I, I think also what you and I would agree on, but we don't know what we agree on it is to be spirit led. You need to be an emotionally vulnerable state. Oh gosh, you're killing me, Cody. But it, would you agree with that though? Uh, yes, and it's it's incredibly difficult. I completely agree with you. 
And that's the one thing I hear a lot is, Tara, you're real. And it's like, I don't know any other way to be. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not being real. I'm just being. Right. But I think so much of what people hear from uh, people who have a platform today are the sugar-coated life is great, following Jesus as sunshine and roses. And, and not that there's not some element of truth to that or that that's worth celebrating, but very rarely do you hear someone get up and say, listen, it, it's going to get far more difficult before it gets better. And, and you, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to wrestle with these things. Like just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that all of a sudden sin and temptation no longer have a hold on you. If anything, it's a, it's a whole nother level. I think of it like a video game, you know, okay. yeah, yeah. Mario brothers back in the day. Let's go back to the eighties. Yeah. Do, 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 oh my gosh. I want to play it anyway. You know, level buttons. one is easy. Level one is easy. Well, man, you get to level five, it's a whole nother level. Right. But it's, I think it's the same thing spiritually. And when you are responsible for giving the gospel and presenting, there is a level of emotional vulnerability because people want to connect. So this summer, when you made me cry because you're a bully. (laughs) Am I an emotional bully? You're a bully, Cody, (laughs) and I need bacon. No, whatever. I don't even, this is terrible, but I don't even remember fully what we were talking about. But the reason I could be vulnerable in that moment. I do. I'm sure you do, bully. The reason I could be vulnerable in that moment is because you were vulnerable with me. Okay. And that's community. That's, Mm, that's, mm. well, sure, I'll let you look at my scars, but you've got some, don't you? Because the minute, in the context of conversation, if one person is being vulnerable and the other person is not, then the vulnerable person has just become a project. No one wants to be a project. Everyone wants to be a human who can get a hug at the end of a hard day. Let's, let's, let's go, let's go two more directions I want to go. One is I would do wanted to live in a little bit of that conversation. Okay. But I want to talk about something else first. And so you've got one book out. Correct. What's it called? It's called Coming Home. Actually, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) It's not. It's, it's. Yeah. Coming Home. What, like, what's the synopsis of it? So basically, um, it's like a devotional and God will talk a lot of times to me through pictures or everyday examples. Okay. And so I started journaling and writing down these experiences. And then sometimes I'd feel led to post them on Facebook and people kept commenting like, Tara, when are you going to write a book? And at first it was cute. Like then it was encouraging. Then it was just all out annoying. I'm like, (laughs) man, I wish people would leave me alone. Like, which is so rude. They're just being kind, you know, but eventually enough people were saying something that I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And I've always uh, known that I've had a gift for writing, but um, I, I never went in anywhere with that till recently, and I just compiled all those entries. So it's like a, it's a devotional. There's like short it, stories. Like is it is it like a is it, well, is it a devotional for me, but a journal for you? Well, man, that's a loaded question. That's a great question. It's like, sorry, no, you're good. I don't even know how to describe it. So there's some like short kind of poems in there. Um, and, and so I should have brought a copy and I don't know if that would have helped me answer these questions better, but <laughs> there's not like a scripture verse, you know, and the chapters aren't the same in length and there's not a prayer at the end. It's just like a short story format that ties in the gospel through everyday life. 
So I guess you could call it a journal. And and there's purposely blank pages in there. Right. For if people feel prompted, well, I guess they I can meant, write in I guess there. I meant a devotional for me, right? Like I'm going right. to read it as a devotional. But the way that you wrote it was, more like, it was more like a journal. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. Because the intent was that this would draw people closer to the Lord. So someone just posted this morning, her dad's dying, and there's a chapter in there about finishing life. And it's basically about someone dying, but it doesn't say it's about someone dying. God, I want to talk about that. So this lady wrote on here, Tara, thank you for your words. Well, I'd forgotten I'd written that. That was like years ago, you know? Right. But the goal was to, I mean, the goal is always to draw people to Jesus through whatever medium right. it is. Written word, spoken word, podcast, whatever. Okay, so now you're working on another book. Right. What it, what's up with that? So basically, it's I'm calling it a leadership book uh, because I feel like everyone wants to be a better leader, right? So fun. If I said it was like a friendship book, people would be like, whatever, I'm an awesome friend, when really you're like highly toxic and a selfish friend, but that's another day, another story, you know? So it's this idea of like, um, so I think I'm going to call it Savage. Um, okay. And savage meaning, I don't have the definition memorized yet. Uh, but a phone is being pulled out. <laughs> that's right. Like it was a... Thank old. you, Google. My face ID won't work. So savage, the definition is not domesticated or under human control, lacking the restraints normal to civilized human beings, wild, uncultivated. And, and so my all-time favorite Bible story is David and Goliath. Everyone who knows me knows that. <laughs> And um, so, basically, I, I think I'm going to title it Savage, Leading Like David in a World Full of Goliaths. And here's a synopsis. David had every reason to be insecure. His family wasn't vouching for him. His brothers, like, all David did was show up with the cheese and crackers and be faithful, right? That's what his dad said. Hey, take the food. Go check on your brothers. David did. But David, when faced with Goliath in his everyday world, instead of being shouted down or bowing out because of insecurity or fear or lies or his brothers, David did what God was calling him to do, and that was taking out Goliath. And okay. so, because here's the thing, insecurity breeds fear. And, and this would not only apply to leadership, but I believe to family models, to friendships. When I live out of a place of insecurity, I'm not a good friend and mm. I'm not a good leader. And spouses or parents could say the same thing. I can't speak for that, obviously. But this idea of David had every right to be insecure, but he wasn't. And because of that, he did what others who were trained to do could not do because they were all insecure, you know? And so it's right. kind of like flipping insecurity on its head. So it doesn't matter that your family doesn't vouch for you or no one's cheering you on or you've got your fears because you're not enough or you're inadequate or whatever, like... When you operate, so the opposite for me of insecurity is confidence in who God is and who God says I am and its identity. So instead of operating out of insecurity, I operate off, out of confidence in who God is and right. who God says I am. Whether I feel that way or not, you know, look at Gideon. Oh, man of mighty valor. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> like you hiding about? out like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're wrong, which we've all told God that before, right? And so, um, so that's kind of the basic synopsis of it. Do you feel like fear is a big thing with leadership? I, mm, I think fear is a big thing in leadership, but I also think that leaders carry unknown baggage, uh, whether it's past mistakes they've made. So because of that, they feel like they've got to prove themselves now 
right? Okay. So they operate in a way where there's always a ulterior motive or a hidden agenda. Like, what, what are we really trying to do here? What are we really trying to accomplish? Okay, so in the, the context of ministry yeah. or church or... Right. Right. Um, do you think that's what comes into play where people don't... People who are leaders in ministry mm-hmm. don't develop leaders? Yes. Because now... Because if I develop someone better than myself, I'm out. I, I mean, even in ministry, there's a, there's a ladder to climb. But there's, there's a, I mean, just because it's ministry doesn't mean that there's not oh, a, I agree. A, a scale or a, you know, like everyone's chasing the bigger fish, right? you know, like, and especially in today's society, success is measured by numbers, whether that's how many dollars are being given or how many are being saved or how many are coming, like, you know, and I had a friend one time who does work very similar to mine, tell a donor, well, do you want to hear how many kids attended or do you want to hear about the kid whose life was changed this week because we were there, you know? kind of flipping the idea of success on its head, right. yeah, yeah. you know, about quality over quantity. Um, but I do think that that's a big deal. Um, I think as we grow in leadership, that becomes less of a big deal. But I think if we were to have some very honest, candid conversations with leaders, whether that's in the church or in the business, they would say, well, yeah, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get ousted out by this person 20 years younger than me. And so, so which I think in, in, and now I may be wrong because I haven't spent a lot of time in the business world. Right. Um, the business sector. Right. But it seems to me that biblically our job mm-hmm. is kind of twofold, is reaching the lost. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, reaching, reaching people for Jesus. And two, equipping people for ministry. Right. Like most of my job is actually equipping people for ministry, right? Which is raising leaders and having them potentially take the platform. Yeah. Now you don't have that in the business sector, right. though. It's usually just the one thing, right? Right. It's it's sales or right. bottom line or you know all those things. So do you think that it's actually we're actually more susceptible? I can never say that word right. To fall into that trap because we have that number two factor. I, I would agree if I'm, I mean, if I'm being really honest, like I absolutely love speaking. Like it's my favorite people. I, I feel the most alive when I'm speaking. And so part of my job is to raise up people beside me and under me, if you will, okay, to learn how to present the gospel or teach. So sometimes I teach people how to teach. But if I'm being really honest, yikes, here we go. Thanks, Cody. I told you, he's a bully. <laughs> There's this underlying fear of if they become better than me, I won't get to do what I love. Mm. So there's that insecurity. So it's and hands open. Do I trust that God has me and knows what he's doing? Because sometimes, you know, that's happened before where people who are younger than me are less experienced, if you will have gotten promoted. And I'm like, back here with the sheep poop, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. But then you go back to David and Goliath. The reason David was successful with Goliath is because he had learned how to be faithful by himself with the Lord and his sheep when no one else was around, you know? So I, I do think, at least for me, there's that fear and insecurity of that could put me out. This, well, this could be it. And I don't think, I think you're right, not for you, but I'm saying in, ge- right. in general on that, 
Um, yes, I've I've felt that way, some. Right. Um, my insecurity has never been in, in the replacer. It's just it's more been in me. Mm. Right, and that's actually something I'm walking through, constantly. Actually, right. um, still with uh, my doctor, mm. Doctor Ed, who's amazing. Um, of just not feeling adequate or like you belong right. in a room full of people and of smart people. Yeah. You know, um, I'm high energy dressed like I'm 12 still. <laughs> and so there's a self imagery thing there. Right? right. And so, but I do think you're right. I think it, that then it inhibits us right. from growing other people right. beyond us. Right which could actually take the ministry in the kingdom much further than we could take it. Right. So it's almost like we're shooting ourselves in the foot with our own insecurity. Right. It just kind of lives in that, that cycle. Right.